Well, this morning we are continuing a uh, series on hearing God. The last couple of weeks we've looked very simply at some uh, absolutely vital thoughts. One is that we should read our Bible. Reading our Bible because in the Bible we have evidence that God is never silent. God doesn't always tell us everything we want to know. But he tells us everything we need to know to follow him. And he speaks to us through the scriptures. Last week, we looked at kind of the twin brother of hearing God. And that is obeying God. Not just being hearers of the word, but doers also. And that if we are hearing the word of God and not doing it, we will actually... um, at some point, get to the point where we can't hear him well at all. Because obedience keeps the flow going as God speaks to us, and then he moves through us as we obey him. Uh, This morning, the thought is simply this. I want to encourage us to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit personally. I want us to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit personally. You see, a mistake that we often make is that God only speaks to us generally. So we have the Bible, and we know that God has spoken through that. And so we think, okay, God's spoken some things generally through the Bible. That's for all of us. Now it's our job to study the Bible, to understand the Bible, to interpret the Bible, and then to apply the Bible to our life, and we live out the Bible. So we believe that the Bible was inspired by God, but the rest of it is up to us to figure it out and to do it on our own. And so when it comes to living out the Christian faith, we believe that God's spoken some things generally, but most of the Christian faith were on our own. Now, it's hard for any of us to admit that. We would say, no, 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 God's always with us. But how is he with us if he is not speaking to us personally? You see, there is a direct correlation between hearing the voice of God personally and experiencing him intimately. Don't you want to be close to God? You ever feel distant to God? Just like God is just far away and you're like out there and I know you're like in control of the universe and you know you've you've told me to do all these things so I'm trying to obey all your rules and things but where are you? Are you near? Do you notice me? Are you with me? Are you out there somewhere? Because we feel distant from God. You see, but when you hear God speak to you personally, it draws you close to him. You see, when we hear him personally, we encounter him intimately. Experienced this in a different way in my family this this last week with our little puppy, Lacey. So um, I think it was Tuesday evening, and uh, we're all uh, out and about in the house, um, just kind of getting ready for dinner and this kind of thing, and we look around and like, where's Lacey? Now for me, whenever I say, where's Lacey, I'm thinking, I hope she's not in my bedroom, uh, because she likes to go to the bathroom in my bedroom, and I don't like waking up into the middle of the night, stepping in things in my bedroom, so I don't want Lacey in my bedroom, right? And so I'm thinking, where's Lacey? Well, I think we, we took her outside. And so we look, we look outside, well, let's just make sure she's been in a while. Let's bring her in because we keep her in most of the time and uh, just keep her out of certain rooms, right? And so, um, so we go outside, and, and they come back. She says, no, she's not outside. And we're like, 
Becca was like, I think I put her, I think I put her outside last. Did someone let her in? And no one could, could remember letting her in. So we go outside, we're looking around, the gate's closed. You know, we're like, did she find some way out of the gate? Where, where did she go? And so we're all scouring it. We go back inside, we're calling out Lacey, Lacey, looking all around in the rooms. We don't see her anywhere. And so we get, start to get kind of nervous and the kids are really starting to panic. And they're like, where's she, she ran away? She thinks she got out of the gate? You think she crawled on the fence? She, and, like, and so they all scatter out and they're all start looking outside. I'm like, okay, this is not good. Where's the dog? I hope the dog's still good somewhere. Um, and, but what, what do we need to do? And so I'm thinking to myself, and I had this thought. I don't know if it was God or not or whatever, but I'm thinking, okay, keep looking in the house. Go upstairs. So I go up in the upstairs, and I'm calling out, Lacey, Lacey, where, where are you? And then all of a sudden, I'm getting near the, the girl's room, and I hear a little jingle. And it's her tags. I'm like, aha, I'm close. Lacey's close around here, okay? And so I said, hey, everybody, no worries. I think the dog's up here. I'm not sure where she is, but let's find her out here. So we're looking. We still can't find her anywhere, but we're starting to hear that little jingle, and we're sort of trying to find it where it is. So uh, Jake, my oldest, has a bright idea, and he goes downstairs, and he rings the doorbell, you know? And then all of a sudden, she comes bolting out, you know, from the, from the doorbell, and there she is, and we've got our dog back. But for us, there was anxiety in our heart. We didn't know where our dog was, but then we heard a sound that helped us to know that she was near. And when we knew that she was near, it became more peaceful. Friends, there is a pattern in your life that God wants you to experience. When you feel distant from him, there is a, there is a distance, and you need to know the heart of God is to draw near to you and to not keep his distance from you. He wants to draw near to you, and he draws near to you by making sounds, by, 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 by speaking, by communicating something to say, hey, look over here. I am with you. And when we get a hold of that, oh, he is with me. Oh, he is speaking. Oh, he is involved. He's not so distant, but he's right here. When we get a hold of that, we have peace, the, the peace that comes with intimacy. And I want you to see that in a scripture this morning. And again, we're going to be looking at several scriptures today because this idea of God speaking to us uh, through our intuition, which means God speaking to us through our thoughts, through our, um, through our impressions, this idea, uh, you can get a little weird on it. And I want to make sure that we're very grounded in the scripture and what the Bible says about hearing God in this regard. And, but our primary passage that we're going to look at here is John 14, starting in verse uh, 16. And we're going to read through verse 27. All right, so this is Jesus teaching his disciples. It's the night before he was arrested and tried and eventually crucified. And what I want you to see as we read this is I want you to see that pattern. God desiring to be with us. God speaking through the Holy Spirit and the peace that he gives. I want you to see that in what Jesus is saying here to his disciples. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees, sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them, and I will show myself to them. 
Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. And anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And all this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, Jesus, when he spoke these words, was announcing to his disciples that he was about to leave them. He was going away from them. He was going to be, again, uh, arrested, tried, crucified, but then he would raise from the dead. He would appear to them a few more times, but eventually he would ascend into heaven to be with the Father. Jesus was saying goodbye to his disciples here. But as he's saying goodbye, he's leaving them with a promise. And later on in chapter 16, it says it's actually a better promise. Jesus says, you know, it's actually better that I leave you because as I leave, I will be leaving you and sending the Holy Spirit to be with you, and that will be better for you. Now, these men who had walked with Jesus and been with Jesus, how could that be better? And even us thinking today, how could it be better than actually seeing and experiencing Jesus face to face, flesh to flesh? You see, Jesus was um, the Emmanuel, God with us, when he came to earth as flesh and blood. But he ascended to be with the Father right now, but he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. The Holy Spirit is now God with us. And he's, and he's, he's, he's encouraging them with this thought. He's thinking to himself, hey, you know, if, you, if, you, uh, um, uh, if I was to stay here, there's going to continue to be a large crowd and a large line to get to me. And just imagine that today. If Jesus was here in the person, there would be a long line to get to him, wouldn't there? Some people would want to stay away, but a lot of people want to hear him, listen to him. This place would be packed. I mean, you know, there'd be a line out the door because everybody wants to get to Jesus. But he said it's better that the Holy Spirit comes. When the Holy Spirit comes, everybody has access to the presence of God. So he's saying here, I'm sending my Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. And as he speaks to you, you will have peace as you draw near to me. Who is the Holy Spirit? Let, I want us to look at this just for, for a moment here in, in uh, verse 16 and 17. Jesus is saying, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you. So when I leave, I'm sending someone else behind you, um, and he will be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. A couple of things I want you to make sure you see right here when he's describing the Holy Spirit. The first thing I want you to see is that the Holy Spirit is a person. It is a living being. It's not an it or a thing. You know, the Holy Spirit is a living personality. Now, when you think about God and the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's easier to get our minds around Father, okay? Because we have early fathers, and so that's a relationship. That's a person. It's a father. I get that. Okay, Jesus the Son. Okay, I get that. So, so he was a historical figure who walked on the earth. We read about him in the Gospels. We got Jesus. We got the Holy Spirit, and that's like the force, 
over there, or it's like the good karma, or fuzzy feelings, and I don't really know much about it, and it doesn't seem like a personality to me. But the scripture always uses pronouns that describe it as a he, not an it. The Holy Spirit is not that thing over there. It's a living being that we relate to, that you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We relate to God, and, and, and the Holy Spirit is actually the nearest one to you. It's the one who's right there with us. Um, this is God with us. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a person. I remember when I was um, waiting on ta- waiting tables for years. Very humbling experience because a lot of times you're waiting tables and you just get treated like a servant, like no one knows that you're there. You know, get this, do that, do that. And I'm like, man, I'm like your robot here, you know. And kind of, I'm a human being with, with feelings and emotions. You know, remember that when you're at the restaurants. Your waiter's not an it. It's a person. It's a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it, a thing out there. It is a person in whom we relate with intimately. This person also happens to be God. The Holy Spirit is not the junior partner of the Trinity. He is co-equal with the Father and the Son. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Lord, God, is the Spirit. The Spirit is God. He is fully, equally God as the Father is and as the Son is. So this person that we're relating to is God. And then he goes on and he says that really the, the best news about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's God, but he's also the presence of God with us. He's described here as the advocate. The advocate. That's the Greek word paraclete, which means counselor, help, uh, helper, comforter, the one who encourages us, the one who stands beside. It literally means, this word paraclete, it means the one who comes beside you, the one who comes close, okay? The presence of God with you is the spirit of Christ, but it is spirit, and the Holy Spirit is with you. It is God with us. Jesus is the Emmanuel, but he's seated now at the, at the throne of the Father, and he sent the Holy Spirit now. That Holy Spirit is now God with us. And that is good news for you. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you know the Holy Spirit? A lot of us getting to know Jesus. We're getting to read the gospel and you like read about him and what he was like and and his character and this kind of thing. You read through the Old Testament, really the whole Bible and kind of get the father heart of God. But you ever study the Holy Spirit. This is who you are. This is who you are right here next to him. He's called the spirit of truth here. That word word truth means, means reality. You are, the, you, you are what makes God real to me, the spirit of reality, the, the spirit of God that I can't see. Holy Spirit, you make God real. You ever wonder, God, are you real? Are you real? Am I making all this stuff up? Is it out there? No, it's the Holy Spirit who translates who God is, and he brings it down to make who God is and what God says a living reality with us. It's the Holy Spirit. There's obviously some mystery to it, but it is the expression of God with us. It is his presence. And the scripture tells us here and in many other places that God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them um, is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. So again, what he's not saying here is you have to be perfect in order for God to love you, okay? We've got to understand this scripture in the whole context of the gospel. 
God loves us no matter what based on our faith in Christ. But when you and I, because we're loved, we choose to love God and surrender our life to follow him, that means that God's going to come close to you. You see, we can be saved and get to heaven because we believe in Jesus, but we can live our lives on, on earth distant from God. But he's saying, if you will choose to love me in response, obey me, draw near to me, then I will come to you and I will pour out my love to you and I will show myself to you. That word show there is to demonstrate, to make manifest. Some translators say even to declare. What he's saying there is he's saying, I will communicate myself to you. If you surrender, if you come to me, if you come listening to me, I'm going to show you who I am. You know, God is never holding himself back. Oftentimes, he's, he's holding back things that, that we want to know what to do, right? And he doesn't always give us all the answers there, but he never holds himself back. When we come to him, he's revealing his character, his presence, who he is, and that gives us Peace. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us about who he is. And um, uh, later on in, in, a, in a chapter 14, verses 25 and 26, he says this. Not only does he re- reveal himself, it says, The advocate whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, now that's, that's a pretty amazing statement right there. Okay, L- try to qualify that one. Like, okay, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to just teach you a few things. Just get you enough to get started and on your own. No, he's going to teach you all things, all the things you need to know to follow him. He's going to teach you those things, and not only is he going to teach you those things, but he's going to remind you of those as you go throughout your day. He's going to remind you of those things. Now, some of you may say, well, yeah, he's going to teach us through the Bible, right? Of course he does. Yes, we read the Bible and he teaches us things and his Holy Spirit is translating things in the Bible. But I want to ask you this. Do you walk around with a Bible in front of your face all day long? I, I don't. I mean, you may think, oh, he's a pastor. He probably does. No, actually, I don't. You know? But I do read the Bible every day and I'm letting it pour into my life. But I'm not walking around in, it, in this. But you know what? As I'm listening to the Bible and learning the Bible, it's the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me personally that reminds me of what I read in the Scripture that prompts me to take certain actions and have certain behaviors and thoughts throughout the day. So our, the Holy Spirit absolutely uses the Bible, but the Holy Spirit is, is, is moving to remind me and la- making that word that's on the written page living and active in my life. Man, I'm just getting excited because I want this. I hope you do too. Because he speaks to us. He speaks to us about his character. He speaks to us about his purposes and his plans. He convicts us of sin and righteousness. It says in John 16, the Holy Spirit will convict you of righteousness, sin, and judgment. He's going to teach you right and wrong. Part of the, the, the good news of the new covenant, the old covenant is the Old Testament where they had to follow a lot of, right, follow a lot of laws to be at peace with God, right? In the New Testament, says in Hebrews 10 that he will write the laws of God on our hearts. He will speak them straight to our hearts. Now, we want to read the written word and sow them in, but God's going to bring those, those laws and those commands to life in our life. He's going to show us that's wrong, that's right, go there, don't do that. It's the Holy Spirit speaking on his words that are written on our hearts. You see, God speaks to our hearts, not just our intellect as we study the textbook. But he speaks directly to us as a person would. He speaks to us uh, his, who he is, purposes, plans. He gives us direction. He helps us. He speaks the love of God into our hearts. Romans 5.5. 5, that the love of God is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God wants to speak words of love to you. 
Now, some of you are like, oh, yeah, I, I, I read about God loving me. Oh, and he loves everybody, right? Loves the world. God still loves the world, okay? So I guess I'm included in that. But most of the time, I feel like God's mad at me. And I feel like he, I, he doesn't accept me because we haven't heard him take that general word of love spoken to everyone and heard it personally into our hearts that fills and satisfies and overflows us with his love. He wants to speak his love personally to you. Um, I, years ago, uh, um, my brother-in-law, John Landers, he was, uh, he was, he was telling me how um, he made it a priority every day to tell all of his children verbally that he loved them. He hoped that he was showing that he loved them um, in his actions and stuff. But he says, I want to tell them every day that I love them. And you know what? As his children have grown older, my nephew and my nieces, you talk to them. And every time you leave them, they always say, I love you. They're very comfortable with expressing love to one another and to people that are close with them. They're very comfortable with it. Why? Because every day they were hearing the father say, I love you. How about you? Does love flow evilly to you or through you? Or is there a hindrance right there? Maybe it's because we're not hearing the Holy Spirit who's just got this bucket of love just ready to pour into your heart and satisfy you to overflowing. I need to hear the I love you of God every day. And I don't just need to hear general platitudes that blot to you and you. I need it. I need revelation, spirit to spirit, heart to heart. I'm loved by God. That's good. That's good when we get that, by the way. Oh, man. It changes everything, right? Changes us when we hear the love of God. Character, purpose, plans, direction, his heart. We get his thoughts. Okay. Wow. Okay. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 11. Hang with me here. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived. No human mind has conceived. The things God has prepared for those who love him. He's preparing things for you that no human mind has conceived. He's preparing for you things that no ear has heard or no eye has seen. Is, is that what he's saying right there? I think that's what he's saying right there. If, you, if we love him, if we're seeking him, he's prepared things for us that blow our minds. And he says, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. By his spirit, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. You can memorize the Bible all, of you, all you want. But unless the spirit of God lands on the word of God, you are missing the thoughts of God. Just ask the Pharisees who had the Old Testament memorized and they missed the word of living word of God when he stood right there in front of them, Right? Unless the Spirit of God lands on the Bible, unless the Spirit of God is speaking to you directly, and, and, and let, man, if less we have the Spirit of God, then we're not hearing the thoughts of God. But if we hear the thoughts of God, then God is going to make known to us things that no mind has conceived, no eyes seen, and no ear has heard. The, what are the things that God would want to speak to us if we would just listen? Uh, there's so many stories to tell here. I just had to pick one. Um, uh, awesome story that, that I, I read the other day about a, a couple you've never heard of called Barry and Julie Schaefer. They lived in California in the, uh, in the, uh, the early 80s. Um, they, they weren't believers at the time, and they were in the woodworking business. He was a carpenter. And um, uh, in his carpentry business, he began to realize that um, 
that many of the, the top coats, the finishing um, oils, as well as um, some of the uh, stain removers that, that he was using were very toxic chemicals. And all of the best, uh, form, all, all of the best uh, uh, finishers and, and stain removers, they were all very toxic materials. And then he had some that were more water-based, but they were not as good as all the rest. And he says, what if we really tried to find a, a, a top coat stain as well as some stain removers that were water-based and non-toxic and, um, and more accessible for more people to be able to use without any kind of harm to, to themselves. And he tried and tried all kinds of different experiments, and it really came to nothing. In 1987, he and his wife came to Christ, and as they came to Christ, they began to be discipled and, and began this journey of learning to how to hear God. And um, later on in that year, his uh, wife, Julie, one day was spending time with God, and she was asking God at the end of her time, says, Lord, is there anything you want to tell me today? And all of a sudden, she had this random sequence of numbers and letters that came into her mind. She thought, it, it kind of seems like God. I'm going to write it down. I have no idea what this means. She writes down this, these letters and numbers, and later on that day, she pulls in her husband, Barry, and says, Barry, this is so weird. This is what I felt like God told me uh, today. What do you think? What do you think it means? You think that's nothing? Did I just totally miss it or whatever? And, and he looks at him, and when he looks at this, the, the sequence of, of letters and numbers, he sees a chemical compound. And he takes, he takes this sequence, he goes back to his lab, does a few experiments, and comes out with the very top coat formula that he had been looking for. A water-based, non-toxic uh, formula that would compete and do as well as all these other things he was doing. And actually, they began to market their findings, and they made a ton of money, and they revolutionized the carpentry business because they got this random revelation from God. Now, what do you do with that? I, I don't know. I mean, what do, you, what do you do with George Washington Carver, who said, um, who was a, an inventor at the turn of the, the 19th century, who would get in what he called God's little workshop, and one day he shows up there, and um, he takes a, a, a goober pea, which at the time was just a child's candy, and he goes and he says, God, the goober pea, what, why did you make this? Just for children to have a nice little candy, or is there anything you want to show me about that? And he said, for week after week, he began to have revelation with all of the experiments that he was doing and felt like God. And he will testify, he would testify that, that it was God downloading uh, ideas and thoughts to him where he started coming up with all of these different inventions and, and ended up um, having like five or six patents for the peanut. And 20 years later, the goober pea is one of the cash crops on the stock market as it exists today. And it was because he was asking, Lord, what do you want to tell me? about a goober pee. What is in the mind of God if we would ask and listen? Now, those are pretty cool, cool stories about some things. You may be thinking, okay, maybe, I don't know, let's check those out, see if that's legit or not, I don't, I don't know. But maybe if we were to boil it down, the bigger question is, okay, well, maybe God speaks like that. I mean, I read cool stories like that in the Bible, but would he do something like that for me? Well, what about me? I mean, that's great for other people, but does God, will God speak to me personally? And you may have some questions. The disciples had a question. Judas had a question. Look in um, uh, verse 22 and 23. Then Judas, again, this is not Judas Iscariot who betrayed him, but one of his other disciples, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? So, in other words, he's saying, Hey, we're your disciples, we're your apostles, and you're showing all these things to us. What about everybody else? It, it, are, are only a select few going to get the opportunity 
to know the Holy Spirit? Because that was the pattern in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, only a few people had the Holy Spirit. Okay, and those were the prophets. They heard God, and we got to listen to whatever they say. So, so God, are you making us those? Are we now going to be the prophets uh, now? Um, and, and, he say, and, and he's saying, what about the rest of the world? Is the rest of the world going to have the opportunity to know your nearness and to hear your voice? And Jesus' response is, anyone. Anyone who loves me and obeys me, who seek after me, okay? I mean, if you put yourself in a position to hear me and to listen to me, then I will show myself to you as well. It's for anyone. It's for anyone. Do you believe this? There's lots of questions that we have. The disciples had some questions. We may have a question. Will God really speak to me? Maybe you're like, this is all new to me. I know I'm supposed to read my Bible and pray, but I mean, okay, hear God. That's great. Okay, what do I do? You know, and you've got questions because you've maybe not been discipled or people haven't encouraged you in this. Um, maybe your question is you feel disqualified. Maybe you're like, well, God's not going to speak to me because you know what? I just, I just blew it. Look at all the stuff in my past. Or maybe, maybe you think to yourself, you know, um, I've got to get better and I've got to get everything right in my life. And then God, you know what? You are qualified by the grace of God. And today, if you would go to the cross, repent of your sin, receive his forgiveness and his love today, you could hear God. We don't have to just make every, all this better. And th no, no. The cross qualifies us to hear God. But some of us feel unworthy. Some of us are afraid. What, what if he won't speak to me? Or what if, what if he speaks? What if I feel like he speaks to me and I get it wrong? Some of us are really disappointed and you're a little frustrated even hearing this message today because you tried to hear God and you heard wrong. And you're just like, well, let's forget the whole thing. We missed it. I missed it. So I can't hear God. And we just kind of give, give up on it. We're afraid we're going to miss it again. For some of us, we're, we're not hearing God because we're distracted by so many other voices that are competing in our, in our lives. There's so many voices. And friends, I want to encourage you. You will become the voice that you're listening to. Whatever voice is strongest in your life, that is what's going to most heavily shape you. We're distracted by many other voices. It's hard to tune in to what is God saying. Some people don't want to hear God. And maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's like, I don't need it. I'm doing fine. I got the Bible. I got my moral principles. I'm living a good, healthy life, and I don't need God to speak to me anything else. I'm good. And we're just kind of living our lives, but independent from the living, active presence of the Holy Spirit flowing through our lives. Some of us have a hard heart. We, 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 we don't want to listen to God because we're, we're a little concerned about what he's going to say, what he's going to ask me to do. And I'm not trusting that he has my best interest in mind. And so I don't really want to surrender. I'm not open to what he says. In fact, I've got something that I really, really want to do, and I don't want him to tell me differently. In fact, I'm going to go try to find another voice that will tell me what I want to hear. And we go to the other voices again. There's other legitimate questions. Some people are asking the question, well, isn't the Bible enough? Why, why do I need to hear God intuitively if the Bible, um, uh, if we have the Bible, and isn't that God's voice? But I think when we look at Scripture, where in Scripture does it say that God will never speak to us directly? Now, the Bible is our authority. If you have not heard that in this series, go back to message one and you just get that nailed down. The Bible is the authoritative 
word from God. But within that general revelation, the Holy Spirit takes the words of the Bible and he, and, he, and he specifically applies them to our life personally. But he also speaks other things that are not explicitly stated within Scripture. And he speaks those to us personally. I challenge you to find in the Bible where it says differently. On the other hand, you look at Scripture and there is story after story and person after person and verse after verse that, that invites us into this experience of knowing God personally and hearing His voice directly. Okay? And I'm going to take some time here, okay? Because I want you to see this in the, in, in the Scripture. Genesis, Adam, he is having a personal conversation with God. Where God is asking him questions and, he is, and, 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 and God is speaking to him and he is speaking to God. It's a two-way conversation happening. We, we read about Enoch who it says walked with God. What does that mean? That means that there was some sort of um, personal, relational connection that he had with God. Now maybe they were just walking in silence the whole time. I don't know. But they were relating to one another. And the way that they were relating compelled Enoch to want to keep walking with him. So there was something good about it that was drawing in uh, him into this relationship. You read about Noah. Noah received, received very detailed, specific instructions, not only to build the ark, but how to build it. Detailed instructions. God can speak to us in very general terms, but God can also speak in high detail when it is necessary in our lives. He did that with Noah. With Abraham, he spoke more generally. He said, here, go into that land over there. You're like... A few more details, please. You know, no, didn't get any, didn't get any details about direction, but, but Abraham got high details on the character of God and his promises. And his character and his promises were enough for the details on what he was supposed to do that he didn't have. God was speaking to Abraham. God spoke to Moses. Don't you love this? In, um, in Exodus 33, it says that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one would speak with a friend. It's possible. It's possible. Moses did it face to face like a friend, speaking to him, hearing from him, being with him. In fact, um, God spoke to Moses one day and said, hey, Moses, actually, I want to speak to everybody, all the Israelites. Gather them together on my mountain. Bring them all close. I'm going to speak to everybody. And so Moses went to all the people, says, God wants to speak to all of us, not just me. Everybody come to the mountain, purify yourselves. God's going to visit us on this mountain. God showed up, he visited on the mountain, and the people began to get afraid, right? And they shrunk back, and they said, I don't want to hear God. I, 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 this is too scary, this is too much for me. Moses, why don't you go listen to God, and you tell me what he says. You, you tell me what he says, Moses, because I don't want, I, I don't want to hear. And, and friends, we get in that same trap today. Whenever we're, we're saying, okay, maybe that person over there, maybe the preacher or somebody else, y'all can like listen to God and just tell me what he says because it's maybe I'm afraid of drawing close myself. But that was never God's desire. His desire was for everyone to hear him. Joshua, when God called Joshua to lead the people into the promised land, he said this. He said, every place you set your foot, you will take that ground. But be careful to obey the laws that I'm giving you from Moses. So the, 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 the Mosaic law. He said, read the law. Read it day and night. Do not turn from it from the right or to the left. You read the Bible, so to speak. Okay, study the word. So, so Joseph, or sorry, uh, Joshua, his life 
was marked by that of obedience to the law of God. But here's what I want to ask you. Where in the law of Moses did it say when you come to that impenetrable city, you line everybody up, all the priests, and you march around it for seven days, and the last day, go seven days around that city, and you all blow their trumpets, and the, the wall's going to go. Where does it say that in the law of Moses? It doesn't. So here is, is Joshua devouring the law of Moses, being careful to obey it and apply it and, and to walk in it. But then at the same time, he's got his, his ear up to the voice of heaven, giving him the instruction he needs to get the real breakthrough. David did this. He's constantly inquiring God. What are you saying in this moment? I'm not trusting past experiences, but I'm going to trust the living voice of God to, to lead me into battle and to what you're saying I need to do. Samuel, when he was a small boy, heard God say, Samuel, Samuel, and he didn't know it was God. So he ran over to Eli, and, and he said, the priest at the time, and he said, Eli, I hear this voice. Is that you calling me? He said, no, it's not me calling you. Is it someone else? So I don't know. He hears the voice again. He goes back to Eli. I hear the voice again. He says, Eli says, you know what? Actually, it's maybe God. Next time you hear it, why don't you ask God if it's him? So he goes back. He, he hears his, his voice, his name called again, and he says, God, is that you? And God says, yes, I am. It is me. I'm here, and he begins to speak. So here you have a little boy hearing God, and you also have a boy who is learning to hear God because hearing God is something that you see is learned by, by people, and Samuel had to become in tune to it. Elijah, when he was fleeing for his life in a cave, he heard the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when he came and walked the earth, he says, I cannot speak on my own. I can only speak what I hear the Father saying. Jesus modeled for us on what it means like to abide in the Holy Spirit, to not rely on his own ideas. Now, that's weird because Jesus was God, but Jesus was a human like you and I who was listening to the Father and saying what only the Father said to say. Peter, he had revelation from God that Jesus was the Messiah. That's not something he figured out, but the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. Um, he heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He had an open vision where God spoke to him about taking the gospel to the Gentiles. Peter heard God. Paul heard God on the road to Damascus. Throughout his ministry, he was seeing revelation of truth uh, and personal encouragement, comfort, direction. You read through Acts. In, um, in, in Acts chapter 13, you have the church in Antioch who were praying and fasting, and the Holy Spirit spoke to the leaders there, and they said, send out Paul and Barnabas for this mission. You see again and again people hearing the personal voice of God. Well, those are all leaders. Those are apostles. Is that for me today? Well, let's look at other scriptures about us today. Here's Isaiah 30, 21. It says, whether you turn from the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this way, walk in it. There's a voice speaking to us in a personal way, guiding and giving direction in our life. John 8, 47 says this, whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. All who belong to God are destined to hear his voice. Now, if you're saying, oh, my goodness, I don't know if I hear God. Do I not belong to God? There's a fear of God that kind of works its way into us. But here's what I want to say um, to that. Man, if, if you've never just thought much about this or pursued this much, it doesn't mean that you're not saved. It doesn't mean that you don't belong to God. What it does mean is that there's more for you and you're living be below your birthright as a son or daughter. And there's more. There's more. There's more for us to hear and to find in him. Romans 8, 16, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Spirit to spirit, God is speaking to us and wanting to, 
make his word known to us. Um, in John 10, this parable, I wish we could spend more time here, but it says, The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls out to his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out um, all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. Verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. We are his sheep. We are his children. We are here to hear his voice. Last scripture here that I want to use. Acts 2, 17 through 18. It says, uh, this is Peter preaching at Pentecost. And they're, you know, all the disciples are preaching the word of God you know, in these foreign tongues. And it's just this wild scene. But God is speaking powerfully through the apostles. But then Peter says this to everyone. He says, in the last day, God says, I will pour out my, spe- my spirit on who? On all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now, when we talk about prophecy, we're going to talk about that next week on what it means to hear God for someone else. But what you need to see here in these verses is that God's spirit, God's speaking spirit, speaks to all mankind, all flesh, men, women, young, old. God speaks. God wants us to hear his voice. Can you hear him? Can you hear the voice of God? He wants you to. And again, I went through all of these scriptures here to make a case to say that God wants to speak to us. Yes, through the word. It's our authoritative standard. It judges all of our thoughts and intentions of our heart. But even in the midst of scripture, God wants to speak through our intuition, through our thoughts and our emotions in ways that bring God close and take the word of God and apply it in a personal, powerful way in our lives. I remember um, early on for me in my college years where I started kind of really learning to hear God. Now, I, I grew up in a church that, that, um, that valued the word of God, but I don't think I ever heard anything that told me I couldn't hear God personally. I certainly never saw anything in scripture that said that. So when I got to college, I think there was very much, I'd always heard about having a relationship with God. And so, you know, I know I'm supposed to pray to God, but also that meant I'm supposed to hear from God. And I thought when Jeremiah said, call on me and I will answer you and I will show you many great things, I thought that applied to me. And so I began to call on God. And I remember my senior year in college, I didn't know what was next for me. And I'm praying, I'm asking, okay, Lord, what are you saying? Where do I need to go? What do I need to do? Um, This kind of thing, all these options here in front of me. It's my senior year, there's money at stake, my future, you know, what's happening here? And I remember going out on the intramural fields one day and, and I was, uh, one night and I was calling out to God, Lord, Lord, what are you saying? Where do I go? What do I do? And I felt like there were some thoughts that came to my mind in those moments. And as those thoughts came to my mind, I believed that it was God speaking to me. And as God was speaking to me, I, I felt peace come into my heart with that. And it seemed like something God would say, and it seemed like it was something, you know, that didn't seem unbiblical or unscriptural. But what God spoke to me in those moments, he said, Fred, right now, I don't care about what you do or where you go when you graduate. I care more about who you are when you get there. It's like, whoa, wow. And the Lord is speaking to me during that. He's like, Fred, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what you need to do. I'm going to do that. But what you need to know is the journey is as important as the destination. And I'm doing something in you, changing you, shaping you. And all of a sudden, I came to a place of surrender. I was like, okay, thank you, Jesus. And I just surrendered, and it's like, you're going to have to tell me, show me what I need to do next. Just kind of quicken my heart when the opportunity comes, and we'll, we'll just, we'll go from there. And I, there was a peace, there was a breakthrough that happened that night. One week later, 
I got a phone call from the church I grew up in that said, hey, we, we'd like you to come back and be our interim youth pastor. And it was just as plain as day for me that the Holy Spirit was landing on that and just saying, this is the next step I have to you. See, he was getting a hold of my heart and sensitizing my ears. So when he did direct me and there was a literal call that came, I was ready to take it. And I knew that it was the Holy Spirit guiding me. That turned into a full-time job when I, when I graduated and God provided for me from there. God wants to begin to speak to us personally at these moments in our life. But a big question for us, and we'll close with this last section here, is the big how. Okay, you got me. I want to hear God. We draw near to God with this. He speaks to me personally. I see it in the Bible. It's for me. But what, how do I do it? Where do I start? How can I grow to be a learner? Because let me say this, every one of us in this room is a learner. I don't care how long you've been walking with God or listening to God. We're all learning to hear God together. And God is wanting to teach us. Again, John 14, 25 says, All this I have spoken um, while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said. He will teach us. You see, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And we need to be taught to hear God. We need to be taught how to follow him, and he needs to remind us of these things. Look ahead here to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13 and 16. It says the same thing. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, not just by a human being or my own thoughts, but words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We have access to the mind of, of God, and God is going to teach us to hear Him. Now, our problem, the reason we're not hearing, may be because we're not willing to be taught. Some of us in this room, um, you know, uh, this is kind of violating some things that you've always heard, and it's making you a little nervous because, because if you're telling me to trust my thoughts, then that may be wrong. I'm asking you to trust the Scripture as authoritative, but I'm also asking you to learn to hear God through your thoughts, and God is wanting to speak to you that way also. And there may need to be, there may be kind of a false sense of humility of saying, oh, I can't do that, or I don't want that, or maybe a pride that says, I don't need that, and we push it. We push it away. On the other hand, we've got folks over here, which I would call kind of the hyper faith, um, which would just say, God spoke to me, and that's authoritative, and don't you tell me I'm wrong. And don't you try to say that it's wrong, because that's what God said. And we're always pulling the God card, and really there's, there may be faith to hear God, but there's no humility to go with it. You see, someone who is taught by the Holy Spirit is, is willing to learn, is willing to grow, is willing to change, and is willing to be a lifelong learner. Lifelong learner. God is wanting to work in our hearts faith and humility that we would hear God. So very practically, I'll end with this. Five different practical helps that have helped me along the way to learn to hear God's voice directly by the Holy Spirit. Number one, and we're going to start here from safest to weirdest, okay? All right, so safest, uh, what you would expect is if you want to learn to hear God's voice intuitively, you saturate your mind with the Bible. Again, I want to just beat that into the ground because the more you saturate your mind with the Scripture, the more you're going to know clearly that this is who God is that's speaking to me. The Word of God is a sharp two-edged sword. It separates soul and spirit. 
Okay, it separates things that are my soul and things that are the spirit of God. The more I get into the scripture, the more I will be able to discern the voice of God. When I start, first started to hear God about direction and encouragement for other people and in my own life, I would listen for God. He would almost always speak th through a scripture verse. God, what are you saying? Scripture verse. Come to mind. But it's only because I'm saturating my mind with it. So there's some people who kind of get a hold of the Holy Spirit and they get real excited about God speaking to them, but they forget the Bible. And man, you're starting to hear things that aren't God. We need to saturate our minds with the Bible. Second thing is clear the slate. What do I mean by that? Clear the slate of your mind. That, what I'm calling us to there is to have a heart and a mind that's ultimately surrendered to whatever God wants me to say. When I'm training my children to hear God, a lot of times I'll say, close your eyes and imagine a chalkboard. Now, that chalkboard has a lot of stuff over it. I need you to erase everything that you're thinking right now. Erase everything that's on that chalkboard. And now I want you to ask God, God, what are you saying about this today? And I want you to ask him to write something on that or draw a picture and listen for what he's saying. A blank slate. A lot of times in my life with God, if my, my mind is filled with all kind of voices and anxieties and troubles, I will journal them out, and I call it detox, and I detox my mind of everything that's on my mind, and then I clear my heart and my mind and say, now, Spirit of God, tell me what to do. What do I need to do today? What on this list do I need to take up? What on this list do I need to set aside? What, you know, who do I need to encourage? What do you want to say to me personally? I have a clean slate to hear God. We have, it comes from a place of out, absolute surrender of outcomes, and then God can speak and he can be Lord of our lives. Saturate your mind with the Bible. Um, absolute surrender. Clear the slate. Third, learn from others. Learn from others. So the scripture describes the church as this, the pillar and support of truth. The church is not the foundation of truth. The Bible is. The scripture is. But the church is there to support and to hold up truth. And so we have in our community the opportunity to encourage and support one another as we are all learning to hear God. We do not hear God in isolation, but we run it by other brothers and sisters who are able to encourage us and help us to see that's not God or that may not be God or go back to the drawing board on that one uh, kind of thing. Or, man, praise God, hold on to that, receive it. We will learn as we learn this together in a community. Also, we can learn about hearing the Holy Spirit from others who are doing it well. I would rec make a recommendation of a book many of you have seen on the, on, the, on the Christian bookshelves called The Jesus Calling. Y'all seen this? So this is basically a lady who, in her own devotional life with God, was hearing God speak to her, and she would journal down, not prayers or insights from scriptures, but she was journaling what she felt like God was speaking to her. And then she took this and turned it into a, uh, you know, a, a year-long, 365-day devotional and she made a lot of money off of it, I think. But I picked this up one day, and I started reading it. And, you know, a lot of times it really touched me and encouraged me. Um, it's not authoritative. This is not definitively what God is saying to you every day. But what it did for me most of all is it started getting me thinking and reading and meditating on here's how God could be speaking to me. Here's the language that he uses, and here's how he speaks to my heart with different truths from the Scripture. And it helped train me to hear God. You see, we need to learn from other people. Saturate our mind with the Bible. Clear the slate, surrendering outcomes. Learn from others. Journaling exercise. In our ATS, we do an, exper uh, uh, an experiment every year where we challenge students to do a 30-day journaling exercise. And we say, hey, do a 30-day journaling exercise over the next thing that God is calling you to in your life. 
And so what we say is every day say, God, what are you wanting to say about my future? And write that down in your journal. Listen, and we, we say, you're not an analyst. Don't analyze if it's God or not. You're a reporter. You just write down your thoughts, whether they're wrong, good, bad, the ugly, you write it down. Do that for 30 days. At the end of the 30 days, go back and read everything that you journaled and then look for patterns. And as you go back, you see all the days where you were just writing and it was just you. And you were like bipolar and writing things down. You you know, just all over the place. And, you know, no, that's not me. But then all of a sudden you start to see this gentle thread of consistency going that God was leading me to this verse. He was saying the same thing. And all of a sudden it's becoming clear and there's some clarity that comes through that journaling exercise. We're able to separate our thoughts from God's thoughts and his ways are made known. Uh, there was one gal in our first year of training school who really glatched onto this. And in, in the last several years, she's probably done like 10 30-day journals. She was really into it because she was hearing God. and It was so encouraging. I started kind of joking with her about this. Like uh, last week, I, there was something I was talking to her about. She's going to be praying about. And I said, so we're going to do a 30-day journal on this. And she says, you know what? Actually, you know, I'm starting to hear God a little quicker now. You know, I don't know that I need 30 days for this. Because she, she did this exercise that helped her tune in to God, and now she's starting to hear things a little bit more clearly. Journaling can help. And then the last thing, what I would say to you, that it has helped me through the years to learn to hear from God by praying in tongues. There you have it. Praying in the Spirit gets me out of my mind and into a spirit, the Spirit where I'm not just trying to think and justify my own things, but I'm to listen to God. And so oftentimes what I will do is I will pray uh, in the Spirit for, uh, what I mean that by that, I mean in tongues that I don't know, for five minutes. And as I do it, God will begin to bring thoughts to my mind that I hadn't thought before. And begins to speak to me through it. Now again, that's a, that's a, a new thing, a different thing. Is that for everybody? I don't know. Um, if, if, if there's something in that thought that inspires you or there's a hunger for it, then let's talk about it because I think there is a grace that wa- God wants to give where he's speaking to us spirit to spirit, okay? So there you go. And the last thing I would say just on the, the praying in tongues thing is don't knock it till you try it, all right? So there's something for us. Let me close with this. God wants to speak with us. God wants to speak to us but we've got to open our hearts to receive and we have to open our hearts to surrender to whatever he says. In 2000, I started dating a young lady um, and was praying about asking her to marry me. And it was very serious. And man, I just was praying, seeking God because I wanted God's involvement and input in this relationship. I was praying and asking God, Lord, what should I do? You know, is this the one? There's scriptures that God gave me. There was affirmation. As, and, and for me, as I was praying, I felt like God was, was affirming this. And so I was moving forward in the relationship. One night we went out on a date. And when it was over, we went to this little park area, sat down, we're talking. And she began to tell me that she was ready to break up with me. And I was like, really? You know, I was completely blindsided. I was shocked. And she, she was just like, I just don't feel peaceful moving forward any further. Um, she gave me the friend, just your great friend. I don't see anything more than that. I was like, oh, you know, okay. So, and I tried every angle. It's like, hey, you want to pray about this a little bit more? Maybe we should fast or pray. Or, you know, we were, you know, I mean, sure, you got every angle. And she was, she did it right. And she just said, no, this is not, this is not what God has for me right now. And I just, and so by the grace of God, I was able to bless her and just said, bless you, you know, Jesus. You know, so I was able to have the grace to, to release her and respond right in the moment. But I left that moment. I was so disheartened. I mean, I was heartbroken. 
And so I walked down the street to my buddy Kevin's house, and I banged on the door at 10 o'clock at night, woke up him and his whole family, didn't care, and just said, hey, did you know about this? <laughs> you know, I mean, she broke up with me tonight. You know, what's going on? So I pour out my heart to my friend Kevin, and, you know, and I'm talking with him, and I'm just, just saying, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm angry and frustrated because it didn't turn out. And I said, and Kevin, what do I do with all the things I felt like God was speaking to me? I mean, I have the scriptures, that these things that I felt like God was saying. I felt like she was the one. Well, what do I do with that? And he said, Fred, calm down. Stop. Look at your hand right now. And it was just this white knuckle clenched fist. He said, Fred, that's not faith. If God spoke to you, you're not going to get what he promised if you hold on like that. So you got to let go. He said, this is faith. This is the posture of hearing God, because this is the posture that receives all that he can gives, but surrenders in humility what he may not be saying or what he said. So this is the posture. And it, it was it was a life lesson. I mean, powerful lesson for me in that moment. I said, OK, I'm going to leave my heart in this posture. So I went back to the Lord and said, Lord, I felt like you said these things to me. What do I do? What do I do? And he said, he said, Fred, honor her and honor her word. Do not violate her word. And so we were in life group together. Our friends were all the same. So we'd see each other a lot. And she said, just be your friend. She said, you want to be your friend? Be your friend. So I was her friend. And, and, but all the while, the Lord's saying, I'm not, I, I just felt like I'm not done. This is not over, you know, kind of deal. And so, and so I was her friend. I was around, but I gave her her space. And over about a six-week period of time, we started spending all more time together. We're in the same circles. We're seeing each other more. And one night, she just kind of came out to me, and she's like, Okay, thank you so much for the space, but I don't know what, I just, if we want to keep dating, I'm ready to do that. I'm like, really? <laughs> awesome, you know? And so we rekindled the relationship, and here we are 14 years later married. It was Becca, right? Yeah. But it's a glory story at the end. There's, I could tell you several more where there was a surrender, and it didn't always come to pass. I may have missed it. But what I want us to invite us to is to take the risk to hear God. To open your heart, to listen to him, to receive what he says, and to surrender with humility that you may always not always hear right, but that you want to receive what he gives and not what you want to cling to yourself. I want to invite us to hear the Holy Spirit, and I believe God wants to speak. Amen. Let's stand. Glad to have